0: Can I move this up just a little bit yeah, forward? I I feel like I'm in. All right, cool. Hey, good evening, guys. Good evening. It is. It really is so good to be uh, with you guys here tonight. And I just want to say to you here, those that are watching this online, um, greetings from One Harbor Church in New which is where I'm from, all the way down in North Carolina, so way, way down south, not like so far south that um, we got uh, hurt by Ian too badly, you know, it came through, but... Uh, it missed us, thankfully. Um, and I just want to say, like, it really has been a delight just spending time with um, Vic and Tanya and their kids. Um, just, man, what a what a lovely family. They are just, yeah, love the, the bonds of friendship that we've been able to uh, grow and deepen um, over these past few days. Um, yeah, you guys just have a special place in our hearts uh, because of that. And for you guys, too, just being here, uh, I know that you guys will also have a special place in our hearts. Even as we go home, um, we will continue to be praying for you guys. And I uh, wish we had more time to spend here, spend more time with you all. Um, and, uh, but um, duty calls back home at some point. Kids got to get back to school, all that good stuff. So, uh, yes. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalm 105. That's what we're going to be working uh, out of today. And, and while you're getting there, just kind of want to say something about the Psalms. And probably many of you know this if you're newer to the Bible or Christianity. It's the Psalms, it's the prayer book of God's people. And um, you know what I love is like, man, if, you, if you're one of those people that it's like, man, I would love to grow in praying and learning how to pray more, or be more honest in our prayers, the Psalms are some of the best prayers that you can pray. You can make them your own because they are so honest. Like the the variety of the Psalms. They cover every emotion, every circumstance of life, every difficulty, every suffering. It's the highs and the lows. It takes you to the mountaintop in some of them, and then like it gets down into the pits with you. You know, if you're if you're singing the blues, it's right there with you. Okay, And I it, it just love it. I love the honesty uh, of the Psalms, but always, always what we see in there is it brings us to God. It brings us to his goodness, his majesty, um, His and, and what we're going to look at tonight specifically, which I think is a beautiful attribute of God that is underappreciated. It doesn't get enough playtime, but it actually, if we get it in our hearts, it'll make our song, uh, our, our hearts sing, our souls sing, and it, it's just a buttress for us. It's an anchor, and I'm talking about God's faithfulness, right? Right. Um, we, we, we think of like the, the, the things we want to see of God or like his power breaking through in amazing ways. And I'm not saying we shouldn't want that, but those special moments where God does amazing things, it's like, yeah, we want those things. We're crying out to God for those things. That, and sometimes because we desire those things so much, man, we, we miss out on seeing his just every day, every moment faithfulness to us. Uh, which which is a beautiful thing. This particular song is about that. It calls us to remember who God is, and it calls us to remember all that God has done for us. And And no surprise, it's a really long psalm, and we're going to read all of it, so just hang in there with me. It's, it's, we're going to have a lot of fun. All right? Um, also remember, these psalms are originally written by Israelites to Israelites and they would sing it, and they would, they would pray it, and sometimes it involved the history that is unique to uh, the nation of Israel. But we have to also remember for Christians that their history is also our history, right? We serve this same God um, that they're singing about and talking about, and even though we may not be Jewish by ancestry, we, we believe Uh, in this God that we're going to be looking at today. And he is a God who doesn't stand on the sideline of our lives. He is involved. He is there with us. He is the God who sees, who knows everything that's going on, guiding and directing our lives. That's what this psalm is about. And it's important to look back and remember all that God has done. And uh, I just want to add a little aside before we get into it um, and why remembering is so important, which the Psalm does. Um, you know what I love about science is, uh, you know, science is always catching up with theology. And so, neuroscience, they're making some really interesting findings. And one of the things is there's this guy, um, one of the foremost psychiatrists and, and guys that studies the brain. His name is Dr. Alan Scholler. He's, he's a professor at UCLA, also a neuroscientist. And he's considered like the Einstein of psychiatry. And is field, so he's like, hey, he is a, he is a, a reputable source, let me say, uh, for what he's about to say. He's been studying the brain for 30-ish years, and all his research, he came to this conclusion. Joy is the fuel on which the brain was designed to run. Guys, he is saying what the Bible is saying. We were created for joy. We were created for joy. It's a beautiful thing. And the more joy you have, the more healthy your brain functions and and works. And you know what? Guess what he's discovered that increases joy in the brain? Not only that, but increases the brain's capacity for more joy. It's remembering meaningful, happy moments. The the smartest guy that studies the brain, that's, that's what he's come with. So we aren't just going to read this psalm. As we read it, I want you to think about what we are doing as we are remembering. We are going on a joy journey. As we read the word, just listen to it. Let it get into your heart. Let it stir up joy and be amazed at who God is. All right, let's go for it. We're going to start in verse 1, Psalm 105. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Abraham, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever the word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statue, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, to you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. When they were few in number, of little account, and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, touch not my anointed ones, do do my prophets no harm. When he summoned a famine on the land and broke all supply of bread, he had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a collar of iron until what he had said came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people set him free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. Then Israel came to Egypt. Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. And the Lord made his people very fruitful and made them stronger than their foes. He turned their hearts to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. And he sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed his signs among them and miracles in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made the land dark. They did not rebel against his words. He turned their waters into blood and caused their fish to die. Their land swarmed with frogs, even in the chambers of their kings. He spoke and there came swarms of flies and gnats throughout their country. He gave them hail for rain and fiery lightning bolts through their land. He struck down their vines and fig trees and shattered the trees of their country. He spoke and the locusts came, young locusts without number, which devoured all the vegetation in their land and ate up the fruit of their ground. He struck down all the firstborn in their land, the first fruits of all their strength. Then he brought out Israel with silver and gold, and there was none among his tribes who stumbled. Egypt was glad when they departed, for dread of them had fallen upon it. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light by night. They asked, and he brought quail, and gave them bread from heaven in abundance. He opened the rock, and water gushed out. It flowed through the desert like a river, for he remembered his holy promise, and Abraham his servant. So he brought his people out with joy, his chosen ones with singing. And he gave them the lands of the nations, and they took possession of the fruit of the people's toil, that they might keep his statutes and observe his laws praise the Lord. This is God's word. So this psalm, what I think about, it's it's like opening the family albums, right? You go back and you look at the past and you see the big moments, the weddings and the birthdays and the graduations, those those Christmases, those special times, right? And, And this psalm is like opening God's family album. It's like taking a peek inside and looking back and, oh yeah, remember when, when God did that. Remember when he did this. And, and we need to think of those things and remember those things. We need to open that album regularly. And here's why. Because if you try to measure God's faithfulness moment by moment, and it, it, it's easy to lose heart. Because God faithful, God's faithfulness isn't proven in a single moment. God's faithfulness is proven across generations. See, this psalm covers all the stories that happened in the books of Genesis and Exodus, right at the beginning of history. And that's roughly 500 years from the time uh, time God called Abraham until the time he brought his people into the promised land. Verse 9 and 10, it talks about the covenant, the promise that he made with Abraham and Isaac, and then confirmed with Jacob. That's, that's three generations, right? He's the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He's the God of generations that spans those generations. And each one of these guys, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, each one of them had their moments where God stated his covenant promise to turn their family into a great nation, and that they would come in and, and they would inhabit the very land that they were wandering through. And there were a bunch of nobodies wandering through it, right? And they, they walked this out in faith, not having received what they promised. They did that. They followed God. God said, you got to get out. You got to do this. And they're like, okay, okay, okay. But they did that believing that God who is faithful, God who made his promise, will make it happen. Isaac, think about this. He could look back at his dad's life, hearing his dad tell him stories around the fire at night, and maybe while they're tending sheep together. And he's just saying, telling his son about the time where God came and called him out of Ur of the Chaldees in his father's house to go and do this crazy thing that nobody else had thought about. And, but yet, he's hearing and seeing his dad's life, how God was faithful in that calling to sustain him and bring him through he knew God could do the impossible to uphold this promise. He himself was the evidence. Isaac was the evidence, right? God said, man, I'm going to make you into a mighty nation. And you can imagine Abraham telling his son, man, look how old we are. Look how old we are, my boy. You're pretty young still. We're way up here. We shouldn't have had you, but God came through. And what we tried to accomplish in the, in the flesh, we couldn't do, but God could do in his own power. Jacob, Isaac's son, he was able to look back on those family album moments too. And then he had his own. God chose him over Esau, even though he was the second born. God revealed himself multiple times in visions. And, and he was a little bit of a naughty guy, right? Deceived and got his brother upset. And his brother got so mad he wanted to kill him. So he had to run away from uh, his parents and the land he was in to his uncle Laban. And in that place, God established him and multiplied his fortune so that he came back from there wealthy. Wealthy, with a bustling household of 12 boys. And it's all these things. There's just amazing moments to remember. And it's like us, man. It's it's fun to look back at our family album and and remember those those big moments. This is us. This is our family album too. The miracles when God came through. And this is good, man. We, we should be doing this as disciples uh, of Jesus. We need to be opening this album up. And you can do this alone. And you know what's funny is one of the exercises that that guy, um, that, that doctor I spoke to you about, one of the exercises he says like you could do simply to increase your joy capacity is take five minutes a day, five minutes a day, to intentionally stop and think about just a few joyful moments in your life. And we can do that. We open our word, and we look, and we... It's just jumping out at us off the page of these amazing moments where God has been faithful over and over and over again. And we see who He is. And, and, and guess what's happening? We're being filled with joy. The joy we need for today, the joy to carry on, the joy to, to endure and persevere uh, in this life. And we get to see that. We get to meet with God in those profound ways. And it's important to do that on your own. But I, I would say also. Man, it's, it's great to do that as a community, to come to, that's what we're doing tonight. Man, we came together and we sang about God's faithfulness. We sang about who God was, right? I love to think about, you know, we're singing, when we sing, we're singing worship to him, but we're also singing to one another. We're declaring true things about God, right? I mean, this is a sermon, but oftentimes, um, actually, when we sing, we are preaching some of the best messages in our worship to one another, right? When we're singing with faith and hearing with faith and speaking this over each other, that is, what is, is what's happening. We're a community together that is remembering God's faithfulness, and sometimes we need that because we can come in a little bit worn out, a little bit torn down, and we're not in that place where it's easy to, to remember God and think about God and, and dwell on those things, and we need, we need our brothers and sisters in Christ to come alongside us and speak to us and, and remind us of those things, right? A friend of mine says, sometimes the, the gospel is sweetest on my brother's lips, and we need to hear those things spoken to us. And we have to grow in, in, in our community identity, which expands our vision of God's faithfulness. It's good for us to do these things. And <clears throat> we do it together, and we do it in the moment now, but like this psalm says, man, there's this, there's this historic identity that we have. Like we're looking back thousands and thousands of years and seeing God's faithfulness over this time. So I just want to encourage you, make time to step into that family album, fill yourself with God's faithfulness. Um, And there's, uh, with those those amazing things and the ways he, he came through, but there's other parts of the family album we see here that we need to remember as well. There's a lot of tough times written in here as well, right? That we read about. God always brought them through. He protected, he provided for them In verse 12 to 15, it says while they're of little account, while they were powerless, just a little family wandering around, God told the nations and the kings, don't touch my anointed ones. But next in verse uh, verse 16, it says, God summoned a famine. He summoned a famine, and they were in it, right? His household had to endure it. But this was all a part of his plan, and so as part of his plan, he sends Joseph out. He sends him, ahead. One of, one of, sends him ahead, one of Jacob's 12 sons. He, he goes to Egypt. He's sold as a slave to Egypt. And had rough circumstances through that time. But ultimately, it's to make these storages of grain large enough to be able to float Israel's household through that famine, which is what ultimately happens. And, and through this, the, the family of Israel is brought into Egypt on good terms. But then we see it doesn't stay that way, even though they they got to Egypt on good terms. As verse 24 points out, it says, and the the Lord made his people very fruitful. That's cool. And made them stronger than his foes. And then he turned their hearts, the people of Egypt, he turned their hearts to hate his people and to deal craftily with his servants. Egypt got scared of Israel because they went from a big family to a mighty nation. And so they turned and they hated and oppressed them. And, and what did Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph do? And when, when you think about these things, what did they do when the going got tough? What did they always do? They didn't give up. They didn't give up. They just kept on trusting God, and they kept on believing in his promise. Despite the whole nation of Egypt and its leaders hating Israel, God didn't let them wipe them out. And as things got worse for Israel, God didn't forget. Here's a little verse from Exodus 3, verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. God never forgets us. That's good news. He never stops looking at us with love. He never stops hearing our cries. And so, this encourages us to wait. What we do is we wait on God's faithfulness with patient endurance. That's what his faithfulness sets us up for. Abraham and Sarah waited patiently to conceive Isaac. Joseph endured suffering, betrayal, imprisonment before his prophetic visions were fulfilled. God's faithfulness requires resilience because it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be easy living this life of faith and following him. That's just the truth. Now, Jesus, he made some awesome promises to his disciples. He said, I'm going to always be with you. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God to comfort and guide you and dwell in you. I'll be up in heaven on the throne always seeing, always looking. I'm going to be your high priest, ever interceding for you. But then he made some sobering promises to his his disciples as well, we have to reckon with. He said to them, in this world, you will have trouble. You will be persecuted and hated because of me, right? You just think like, man, Jesus, that's a really bad sales pitch. If you're trying to get people to follow you, that's like not the way to do it. But we have to reckon with that. We have to know our family history. The, the photo album is full of these amazing moments of God's blessing, but it also includes times of significant protracted suffering. That happens too. That really does happen. Joseph was locked up in a dungeon. Egypt, was, Egypt enslaved the Israelites and abused and mistreated them terribly, brutally for hundreds of years before God brought them out. You know, the longer you and I suffer, uh, we're tempted to think that God's just forgotten us. That's, that's what happened to Israel. They literally, it's like, man, God, you, you, just, you haven't remembered us. We feel forsaken. We feel overlooked. What's going on? And this is where faith is really tested because genuine faith never stops believing in God's faithfulness. It may wobble a little bit, right? There's times where it wobbles, but it never stops believing in his promise and his faithfulness. And faith doesn't let circumstances dictate whether my trust in God is being vindicated. See, when, when we're in a season of trouble, when you and I are in a season of, of trial or difficulty or trouble, you, it's easy. And Guys, I've been there. It's easy to start to feel like a fool and be tempted toward doubt. But the, but the photo album says, don't give in. Don't give in to those feelings because God always vindicates our faith in his faithfulness. And this this is the good news of the gospel. His faithfulness isn't based on our performance. It's not based on how good we are doing at any given moment. It's because God cannot deny who he is. That's what his faithfulness is, is based on. He is faithful. And what he has promised, he will do he cannot deny himself. When it feels like God's abandoned us, guess what? He hasn't. When you're crying, Lord, how long? Where are you? He still is faithful. He will vindicate his name. When you are waiting on God, trust me, I know this. It's, it's common to start thinking, you know, one of two things. Man, you know what? I am messed up somewhere. I must have sinned. I probably deserved this. That's what's going on. Or, you start to think another thought, like, man, maybe I backed the wrong horse here. Maybe God isn't going to come through. It's like, shoot, man, this is so embarrassing. I put my faith out there, man. I told people about this. Maybe God just isn't real. But faith, what it does, faith takes us t- takes takes two arguments and gives us a third option. What it does, it, it rests in God's tomorrow promise. To God's tomorrow promises. It rests in them. It rests in them today takes those promises from the future and it brings them in today. And though we may not physically have them, we may not experiencing them in the moment, we never, nevertheless doubt, we, we don't have to doubt that they're not going to come true. We don't have to doubt that he won't come through for us. We know that he is faithful. And this is key. That's a key thing in following God and living this life of faith. Assurance of what's coming gives you strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, as that old hymn says, right? Let me explain it this way. Uh, A uh, a German seminary professor, this friend of mine was out in Germany because, you know, it's where he wanted to go study for some reason. And uh, so one day he took his class on this hike, this hike in the mountains. And um, it was a bit cold and rainy that day. Everyone, uh, ex- everyone in the class, except the professor, was very miserable, and they grumbled. They, wa- they complained. They wanted to turn back. They were not enjoying this hike in the mountains, but this professor didn't give in. He kept urging them on. He kept saying, guys, just trust me. just a little bit further. We're almost to the top. Just let's go. And it so happened when they finally crested the mountaintop, there was this chalet there that they walked into. There was a warm fire some of the best food and beer in the country, which I'm thinking probably why my friend was like in Germany, uh, besides the, you know, the good seminary professors. But there's this breathtaking view as well. And in that moment, the professor's faith was vindicated. But what kept him from turning, turning back and giving up, despite these horrid conditions? He'd been there before. He'd already tasted and seen. He knew what awaited them. God's people, we trust in God's faithfulness because we've already tasted and seen it, right? Amen. If, you, if you've wondered, you're, yeah, maybe you're here and you're not a Christian, if you wondered what makes us tick, that's, that's really it. That's really it. We have tasted and we have seen His faithfulness. It's a truth that we definitely know with our minds, but it's so much more. it's a, it's a truth that we experience. And I want to say to you if, you, if you don't know Jesus, you don't believe in him, that's okay. It's, it's, this is a truth that you experience. He's a person that you experience for us. Man, for us who call Jesus Lord and Savior, our eyes have been opened to see Jesus as he really is. That's it. We have tasted the misery and bitterness of seeing how sinful that we really are and, and, the, and the just wrath of God for over our sin, but that's not where God left us. We've, we've tasted God's love and his mercy that is ours because of who Jesus is and what he's done, that he died and he rose again. And, and we do that. We get to drink from the cup of that kindness. We get to drink of that And all the shame and the bitterness and the regrets of sin, all the the pain that we've suffered, all the wounds of life, man, as we taste of his goodness, as we taste of his faithfulness, as we taste of that kindness, man, all those things, they dissolve in the sweetness of his glory and grace. And that cup, that cup that we experience, that tasting that we have now, it is just but a small sample of what awaits us in heaven. It's but a small sample of what awaits us on that mountaintop. As we walk through, we hike through this life. Sometimes it's cold, sometimes it's rainy, sometimes it's a little bit miserable. And God's saying, just keep coming on. Keep coming on. Trust me, at the end, such good things await you. And here in this life, even though it's difficult, through faith in Christ, we come to him and we get to drink of that cup of kindness and of his love and his grace and his mercy again and again and again and again. Now I just want to encourage us, man, let's never give up on the faithfulness of God. Never stop celebrating and praising him because we know that he cannot deny himself. We taste it and we know. And so we stand on his promises And I'm going to end it with this. I'm going to just close it with this. When we live that way, it it changes how we live today. Once you're settled into God's faithfulness, you can't settle for this world. You really can't. You live differently. And when Jesus calls a man to follow him, he bids him come and die. We die to the old way of life. We die to trying to establish and build our own kingdoms. And we turn and we say, yes, Jesus, I'm following you. I want to put your kingdom first. want to live for your kingdom. I'm going to live for something that is going to outlast me, that's going to continue all the way on. The one thing that's going to continue on into eternity is the kingdom of Jesus. And so that's what we live for, guys. We leverage our lives for that. And so I want to encourage you today by the grace and mercy of God because who He is. We can look at His faithfulness. We can turn around and live faithfully, bearing witness to Him in our lives for His glory. Amen? Just before, um, we're going to take communion as an appropriate response to this message, but I'd love for you to just to pray. Uh, just for us before we, we move into that section. Is that okay? Yeah. 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 Mm. So Father, I just, I just want to say thank you mm. that you are a faithful God. Yeah. That we live in a world where things are constantly changing. It feels like the sand, uh, the, the ground under our, our feet is always shifting. It feels like there's a lot of instability, and everything that we try to make stable, and everything we try to build security around, it it always seems to fail us. But you are the one constant. You are the one who is faithful, Lord. Even when we are unfaithful, you are always faithful. Man, I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for the promises that we have in Christ, that are yes and amen. For us, that we get to step into, that we get to know, that we get to, to hold on for ourselves with surety, that they can't be ripped away from us because they are sealed and grounded in you. So we can rest on those things. We are sons and daughters of you, Heavenly Father, the Almighty God. We are sealed in you by your blood. We are cleansed. We are set free. The power of sin has been broken, and you have, you have set us free from sin, but you called us into this new life to live for you, to, be, to behold you in your glory, and you have this life of, it may not always be easy, but even in the difficulties, there is joy to be had, and so I just pray over my friends here at City Gates that this isn't the only time they experience your faithfulness. They're going to wake up tomorrow with a song in their heart Mm. and sing, just as the sun rises, you are faithful, God. That you are faithful with them in every part of the day. That they would remember and step into your faithfulness. Take moments to just push pause, maybe even at their work. Just push pause and quietly reflect. And Lord, you have been faithful. I'm going to remember the times where you've come through. I may not see it now. I may not have seen it in the past few years, the past couple of months. But I know you've been faithful. And I know you will be faithful. I pray to you for those that are going through difficulty and suffering. Those who have been crying out, Lord, where are you? You would come and you would meet them right where they're at now. They would at least just know that you're there with them. Lift the joy in their hearts. Give them hope. Help us, Lord. We, your church, my church, this church, every church in this nation, around the world, we need. We need your faithfulness to keep us persevering to the very end. When we reach heaven, you're going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Help us to be faithful. Amen.